AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Soybeans had buyers coming into the market right up to the closing bell, while wheat futures drifted from session highs and corn futures fell to the lows of the day. Heads up in the cattle market. Last Monday's gap is filled and a solid close built upside momentum and lean hogs turned a would-be downside correction into a one-day price dip. From Twin Cities that look nothing alike via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we feature a conversation with Ed Usset from the University of Minnesota. Directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. It's part of the Farm Journal College Road Show. That's right. We're making our way up to the University of Minnesota, talking to the people, the fine people in the College of Ag up there. We had a great conversation this morning about what the College of Ag is offering and um, uh, how how the students are excited about Mm -hmm. what the university is offering. And, hey, we get to talk to Ed Usset this afternoon. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I've, I've... Known Ed for a while uh, and love the opportunity here to get him on the show and talk about not just the fundamentals that are impacting the markets, but the process of selecting that uh, the marketing strategy that will work best in in the current situation. He's very much into in, in, into the strategy analysis. Well, and making sure that growers use the right tool at the right time. That's interesting that you say that because now we've had uh, yesterday and the day before, we uh, somehow found ourselves talking about 1990s-style marketing yeah. plans. I wonder yeah. if it'll come up again, Chip. Well, we'll have to see if it does. And and we will talk about things to consider in a higher in, uh, interest rate environment mm-hmm. when uh, when putting together a marketing plan. All right, we got a lot of ground to cover. Let's get started. Well, tip December soft red winter wheat futures opened mid range and just slightly higher, then dipped to trade lower and then recovered to spend the day session on the top side of unchanged. Export sales of wheat in the weekend of October 26 totaled nearly 276,000 metric tons. That came short of trade expectations, more than 40% below the four week average. Global crop crop <laughs> global crop watchers expect better growing conditions in Europe in the weeks ahead, but the fundamentals of the market are likely to keep prices locked in a sideways trading range. December HRW wheat futures were a penny and a half higher at six forty one and a half. December soft red wheat gained three and three quarter cents to five sixty five and a half. December spring wheat closed at seven ten and three quarters up one and three quarter cents. Chip, honestly, I'm feeling a little bit of Stockholm syndrome here with these narrow trading ranges. I'm comfortable in here now. I'm happy. No, no, let's stay in here. It's safer in here. It's safer in here. Yeah. I love it. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> uh, we are going to pull on Ed's uh, experience in wheat trade and, ta- and and kick things off with a discussion about what's going on in the wheat market. 
We'll check export sales of corn in the week ended October 26, totaled just over 748,000 metric tons. And that was in line with trade expectations, but it was still 40% below the four-week average. Yeah. Global crop watchers note that rain started falling in Argentina yesterday and continued into today, and that limited buying in today's corn market. December corn futures opened steady and tried to rally, but turned to the downside by mid-morning. The contract traded to a new session low just ahead of the close and settled just one half cent above the day's low. December corn futures a nickel lower at 470. March corn down four and three quarters, 485. May corn futures closed at 494 and a quarter. That's down four and one quarter cents, Chip. I'm going to get Oliver's take on what's going on with this corn market, but uh, it doesn't feel good the way it's trading. Soybean prices were higher at mid-morning, and prices extended gains when bean meal and oil climbed up from session lows. Strong gains in crude oil futures supported soy oil f- prices and helped January beans close above 13.25 for the first time since October 19. Export sales of soybeans totaled 1.01 million metric tons. That was at the low end of trade expectations and 13% behind the four-week average. Soybean meal sales of 86,000 metric tons were way below trade expectations. Conditions remain way too wet in southern Brazil and too dry in northern production areas, but forecasters do see increased chances for rain in dry areas over the weekend. January beans 13 and one quarter cents higher, 1328 and a quarter. March beans up 13 and one quarter to 1342. May beans closed at 1354 and three quarters, up 12 and one quarter cents, Chip. To see those meal sales fall off as quickly as they did the week prior mm-hmm. was just over a half a million tons. And all the way down to 86,000, that was tough for the market to handle today. Well, Chip, export sales of cotton in the weekend of October 26 were outstanding at just over 457,000 running bales. China accounted for 324,000 bales yeah. of those sales. December cotton, 36 points higher, 79.80. You'd think That's it'd be a little more than 36. Yeah, that's all we could get out of it. It, yeah. it. it should have been better than that with all the pressure than that cotton market has been under. Well, let's go with the livestock where beef export sales of 17,100 metric tons were up 71% from the four-week average, and that helped support live cattle. December futures filled the October 23 downside yeah. gap and closed above the top of the gap to build upside momentum. December fat cattle $1.05 higher, 184.67 and a half. February futures up a buck and a quarter, 186.42 and one half. And November feeders, wow, 405 higher, 242.62 and a half. And on the snout side, pork export sales just over 31,000 metric tons in line with the four week average. December hogs, three and a half higher, Chip. Yeah. 73.27 and a half. The February contract up 277 and a half to yeah. 76.22 and a half. Big day after a big down day yesterday. Yeah. All right, thank you. Let's bring in Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. How you doing, Oliver? I'm doing well, Chip. Better than yeah. better than the corn market. Absolutely. Tell me about it. I don't like it. No oh, man, I, I didn't really want to talk about it, but I guess we don't have much of a choice here. Just kind of bleeding lower and taking out, uh, you know, some some new low closes for the move. Those September lows which really doesn't bode well going into the end of the week. Potentially, you know, we can stage some sort of relief, but I'm not going to be holding my breath for it, especially when you look at what's going on and all these other markets. Today was an absolute risk on day across basically every commodity market out there. And corn couldn't even catch any sort of a bid. That's That's a big caution flag as we head towards 
December options expiration and first notice day here at the end of the month. Yeah. I mean, crude oil's two bucks higher. The dollar index was like 700 points lower and corn can't catch a bid. That was a, that was a hard one to watch. Yeah. Uh, I do like filling that gap in Dees cattle and closing above the top of that gap. Dees cattle has had a, a remarkable recovery, uh, even more remarkable than the, the futures rally, I think, is the cash market hanging in there after the last week and a half where it looked like the world was coming to an end, not only following the bearish cattle on feed report, but a lot of concerns uh, about the outside markets and the economy going forward, which I don't think those concerns are necessarily you know answered yet. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if we, we get out above the gap and keep going or if we just hold the gap and uh consolidate here my my best guess is that we start to consolidate around this gap until we get some new news it sounds like the cash market's still hanging in there pretty well though so potentially we can grind a little bit higher but uh tempering the expectations after this nice relief rally yeah all right good luck with sparty this weekend yeah same to you who do you guys got uh we uh, kansas we got the jayhawks this weekend should be a good game oh we'll see they're coming off of cloud nine. It should be a good That's game. That's right. That's right. Oliver Slope. We've got Ed Usset next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by Bex. From farmer's first pass in the field to the final pass at harvest, it's a game plan rooted in faith and belief. See why at BexHybrids.com. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk and the Farm Journal College Road Show. Big thank you to Bex for sponsoring that and giving us some incentive to have these conversations with fine people up at the University of Minnesota, and that includes Ed Usset. He is an extension grain marketing specialist at the University of Minnesota. He joins us right now. Ed, it is great to talk with you. How are you? Chip, I'm doing great, and you're playing the Minnesota Rouser in the background, and that gets my blood flowing, so thank you for that. (laughs) You bet, you bet. Uh, so have you guys come down after that win over Iowa here a couple of weekends ago? Uh, uh, yes, we enjoyed that win quite a bit. But, Chip, uh, don't don't talk about that too much in <laughs> Iowa. They're a little sore about that. Yeah, I'm now are. Right now I'm waving my arm above my head. It's a fair <laughs> catch, Chip. It's hey. a fair catch, okay? We all know the signal. And it's a valid they're, indication they're, uh, of a fair catch. <laughs> 
wow. Yes, yes. Maybe, maybe sometime during this conversation, if you throw me a hard one, I'll, uh, I'll tell you I'm waving my arm. Jeff, lay, lay off. Lay off. I There's got you. Off. I'm ready to throw the flag. I got you. <laughs> okay. Love it. Okay. Love it. All right, Ed. Hey, I'm, I pulled up a December SRW wheat chart. It's on my screen right now. Mm-hmm. For the last month, that market has just decided to chop around between five fifty and six bucks, spike both sides of that. But here we are, kind of back towards the bottom of it. Feels like really uninspired trade, Ed. Yes, yes. Uh the wheat market I've been thinking a lot about it because it, it depends on where you want to look. If you want to look at the U.S. Uh, supply and demand situation, we have uh, ample supplies. Uh, they're building in the year ahead. A little bit of a bearish tone to it, but certainly not grossly ample supplies, but it's building a bit. Now, if you step back and look worldwide, holy cow. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a very tight wheat situation. First of all, you got to take China out of the picture. China okay. has, they're on their own program of building stocks and have been for a number of years. But if you take China out of the situation, by my numbers, this is the fifth tightest carryout worldwide in 60 years in wheat. Yeah, that includes uh, the U.S. And then you say, well, well, how come wheat's on the defensive? It's all about Russia. It's all about Russia. They have had a string of good crops. You you can think what you want. I mean, I I think what's going on with that war in Ukraine is a a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. And we anticipated when that war broke out that the wheat market would go crazy. And it did. Yeah. But Russia continues to have good crops. They, They haven't had a bad crop since 2012. Yeah. And they step into the breach. Africa needs wheat. They send them cheap wheat. Southeast Asia needs wheat. That Russia's covered, covering the tab. Yeah. I find myself, though, I ask myself. Now, it's not going to happen this year. Looking ahead to 2024, they're overdue for a bad crop. That doesn't right. mean it comes next year. But I ask myself, what's the what are the headlines like if Russia doesn't have 20 or 30 million extra uh, uh, metric tons to throw around. That's got, that could, that could lead these markets. Okay. You know, and the thing about Russia, it's hard to trust any information that you're really getting out of it, but Mm -hmm. they've been proving it with actual shipments and those countries that, that are depending on that quote unquote cheap wheat out of Russia have been getting the supplies that they need. So it's not like they're faking their way through They've this, isn't it, Ed? That's right. That's right. They're sending the wheat, and it, it's getting out there. And, uh, you know, here we are. Uh, you know the numbers. Many of your listeners know. We're about to um, – uh, we are we are uh, forecast to end this crop year with the lowest level of exports out of the U.S. in over 50 years. We have to go back to 1971. And by the way, I just finished a book called Limit Up, and it's written by a retired uh, Cargill grain trader. I don't know if you've had a chance to read it. Yep. But if any of your listeners have ever 
if they've ever wondered about, you know, this great grain robbery uh, uh, that happened back in 1972, mm-hmm. it's a historic, it's historical fiction, but many of the characters are real and it gives you a very good sense of how uh, Russia pulled that off, how they yeah. played a lot of different uh, uh, companies in secret and uh, took a whole bunch of grain before the yeah. market knew what was happening. Ed, I tell you, I started on the floor of the Chicago Board of Trade as a as a wire service reporter in 1988. Okay, and that Russian grain mm-hmm. robbery from '72, it was like it happened the the day before, the week before, uh, when when I started yeah. down there on the yeah. floor. It was such an impact on the psyche of grain traders down there on the floor. It was crazy, man. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, yep. it was. Yep. When you started, uh, Chip, I was uh, trading in the pit of the Minneapolis Grain Exchange. Were you really? And Oh, yes. Okay. I, I traded from 81 to 89 in the pit. That included uh, two droughts, 83 and 88. And mm-hmm. uh, I tell people who, you know, think of the drought of 88, which was a butt-kicking drought. Uh, a a very serious one. They think it's a soybean and uh, corn story. And I say, no, no, no. We were trading that in Minneapolis two weeks before Chicago figured it out. Right. It kind of came from the north and headed south. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that well. Remember it well. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Ed, with, with that set of global fundamentals on wheat, is this market mm-hmm. going to try to find a way to encourage some more wheat feedings domestically? Oh, wheat feeding. You you mean feed as in animal feed? Animal feed. This is yeah. A, yeah, and well that's really a function that's a function of not only the price of wheat but the quality and the discounts there. And okay. I'm not getting the sense that the quality okay. Was that bad? Your biggest uh, wheat feeding years are not just cheap wheat relative to corn. It's always relative to corn, uh, but it's also a function of quality and the okay. quality discounts and the milling industry not wanting it. You want to hear an interesting little fact about wheat? Here, I, here, Chip, you've got all these corn and soybean growers tuning in, and and they're screaming now. Get this gopher off the <laughs> off the air. You want to talk about wheat? There's lots of wheat uh, wheat over, growers too. Yeah, it's it's still it's still an important, very important crop. It's a food grain. Yeah. Over the last twenty, like, since the year two thousand, you know that the U.S. population grows roughly one percent a year. Mm-hmm. So since the year two thousand, our U.S. population is up twenty two, twenty three, twenty four percent. Yeah. Do you know how much wheat? Uh, <laughs> Wheat food consumption is up in the U.S. Not over much. That same period. Not much. Less than three percent. Yep. Less than three percent. And uh, I came from the milling industry, and I gotta believe that's been a, in a lot of ways, a challenging time for the milling industry. Well, Ed, the, the wheat market more than most markets has had to deal with some of the dietary fads that happen out there, right? Oh yes, absolutely. The gluten-free thing. Yeah. It's uh it's been a killer. The uh 
they had a book some years back, Wheat Belly, you know, don't eat yeah. wheat. You're going to, you know, it's going to make you fat and all that. Um, yeah. That, <laughs> those <laughs> trends, you think they're, they're subtle and they don't have an impact. Oh, they have an impact. Yeah. See, impact. and the difference between your analysis and my analysis, and I, since, because it is having so much of an impact, you called it, I called it a fad. You called it a trend. And trend is more accurate mm-hmm. than fad. There's no question because it is having an impact in slowing down domestic demand for wheat. There's just no question about it. Yeah. 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 Per capita consumption has been on the slide for two decades. Yeah. You know, slowly okay. going down. It's not a, not oh a good my gosh. Thing. We are almost out of time in this segment. We've got you for another segment yet. Ed, what changes the story in wheat? Give me 30 seconds. What changes it? We need uh, we need a big player to have a bad crop, and that's why I'm thinking about Russia. Okay, yeah, and and if we could get, uh, hey, boy, you're right. They are due. They are overdue for some production challenges in Russia. No question. Okay, we are in the middle of a conversation with Ed Usset. He is the extension grain marketing specialist at the University of Minnesota. When we come back. Corn and bean growers, stay tuned. We're going to get into the fundamentals of those markets and talk some strategies. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where December hard red winter wheat futures were a penny and one half higher, 641 and one half. December SRW wheat gained three and three quarter cents to 565 and one half. December corn futures a nickel lower today, 470. March corn down four and three quarters to 485. January soybean futures 13 and one quarter cents higher, but 1328 and one quarter. March beans up 13 and one quarter of its own, 1342. December cotton up all of 36 points today, 79.80. On your livestock's December fat cattle a buck five higher, 184.67 and one half. November feeders up four dollars five cents to two forty two sixty seven and one half and look out December lean hogs three twelve and one half higher on the day at seventy three twenty seven and one half get more market news every market day at tryprofarmer.com to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest timing is everything full scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We don't make the news, we render it. AgriTalk. Yeah, kind of came back for a second 
Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. We are in the middle of a conversation with Ted Usset, the Extension Grain Marketing Specialist at the University of Minnesota, part of the Farm Journal U.S. Farm Report uh, College Road Show, sponsored by Bex. Uh, Tyne is going to have coverage from the University of Minnesota this weekend on U.S. Farm Report. Ed, you were part of the panel this after, uh, this morning, right? Yes, we were. We welcomed uh, Tyne to the St. Paul campus of the University of Minnesota with about 30 degrees outside. <laughs> uh, it was, she, she, she uh, Tyne is a lot of fun to work with. She's a, a great professional and uh, we had a great time. We had good. a great time. Good, good, good. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that this weekend. Um, okay, so I've taken the December SRW chart down. And I put December mm-hmm. corn up. And, Ed, Ouch. this market's got me worried. Yeah, yeah. A couple things. Well, first of all, we're looking, I'll, I'll just speak for southern Minnesota cash prices. And we're back at levels we haven't seen since uh, the end of 2020. Yeah. You know, we, we have to go back to December of 2020 to get to, uh, 440, 450 cash corn in Southwest Minnesota. We're way down. Uh, The board is down. Something interesting has come up, something we also haven't seen in three years. Carries are back in the market. Mm -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. the December, I'm looking at December to May, carry in the corn market is up Mm -hmm. to 24 cents. You know, I'm not sure. Uh, it's possible that during the some of the rallies this summer that that may have gone inverse, inverse, yeah. or at least a very very small carry. And it, the good news is, yeah, you know, big carry is an opportunity for people with storage who know how to sell the carry, how to sell that deferred contract, and wait for the basis to get better. The bad news is a carry widening like that is uh you know it's a it's a beacon light for a bear market yep. that's what happens in bear markets we get okay and came back in corn came back in soybeans yep and talk about because a lot of growers have not had to deal with interest an interest rate like we're dealing with right now what considerations do you want them thinking about in this higher rate higher interest rate environment when it comes to storing corn, when it comes to a carry in the market, and how do you handle that? Well, you have to you have to do the math again with these higher rates. Um, back when uh, you're borrowing money at 3 or 4%, uh, holding uh, $12, $13 soybeans in the bin or, or $6 corn, the interest aspect of that, storage costs wasn't that big well they're they're pretty big now so you've got to take a fresh pencil to it Mm -hmm. think hard about that but i do see carries large enough out to the march and the may contracts to justify selling the carry if for no other reason you, you that'll pay most of your interest costs and then you can play that basis game a little bit and hope yeah. for a little stronger basis. And I like to think, particularly in the case of soybeans, with the tight sack situation, we could get some uh, very good basis numbers come next spring in soybeans. Okay. Uh, 
Ed, for there there are some areas where because of the basis, uh, the carry in the cash market isn't near what it is in the futures market. Yeah. How do you manage yeah. that is a tough one to manage, isn't it? It really is. It really is. I wish I had a, a, a magic wand to make yeah. that go away. I know what you're talking about. I'm looking in southern Minnesota. We've got a very strong corn basis. Mm-hmm. And I look at the stock situation. Part of that is driven, Chip. I think uh, a lot of producers are are uh, stubborn. They don't want to deal with uh, corn prices that are at a three-year low cash prices at a three-year low. So I'm going to put it in the bin and wait. There's going to be a lot of corn in the bin. There'll be a lot of corn available next spring if if the demand picture doesn't change. And I don't know if that basis for corn is going to get appreciably better right. next spring. Right. And in fact, could be a little, um, uh, could be a little soft next spring yeah. when pe- people finally uh, move it. Yep. Yep. You know, uh, the the thing about the corn trade today that really bothered me, we talked about it with Oliver. It was It's a risk on day. The Dow's up more than 500 points. The dollar's off sharply. Yes, We've that. got crude oil rallying. Everything had some lift, and it's like the corn market just kind of let the air out of the balloon for a lot of the markets. And, yeah. and I, yeah. I know that that can change in a hurry, but all of a sudden, we started getting some rains down in Argentina, and it kind of changed the bulls' attitudes about this corn. Domestically, we've got a comfortable carry. Talk to me about the global situation mm-hmm. on corn. Uh, globally, uh, also comfortable, I'd say. Okay. Also comfortable. It's, uh, it's soybeans and wheat from a carry standpoint, are more interesting. Okay. But globally, corn looks pretty comfortable. And, uh, yeah, we, we need a, a good demand story to get the corn market going. Yeah, I understand certain. producers putting corn in the bin and waiting for a better price. I would just ask them to uh, uh, think of what number will make them happy and be ready to act. Don't get overly proud. Uh, don't... Uh, uh, remember that $6 corn last summer? Well, mm-hmm. forget last year, okay? Mm-hmm. It's going to take an extraordinary event to get us going that direction. It's going to take something with the crop all the way into next summer before we can possibly see something like that. So, so I so have an idea. Yeah, Ed, Ed, it, a lot of the analysts that come on the show talk about selling rallies in corn. And mm-hmm. it's not that often that I ask somebody to define what is a rally. But a move into that five and a quarter, five twenty range in in front month corn would have to be considered a rally now, isn't it? I I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. you look at for I'll, I'll put it in cash terms. If we're at uh, four forty, four fifty right now, if I could get cash corn over five dollars a bushel, man, yeah. I'm I'm I'm, okay. I'm gonna. I'm that gonna sums it up right that. there. That sums it up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the soybean growers in uh, western Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, even down into Nebraska, are sure excited about the crush capacity that's coming on. Ed, that can 
change uh, change markets in a hurry, can it? Yeah, it can. Um, just today, I read a press release that Cargill has come online with a, a major expansion in Ohio, Sydney, Ohio. This is yeah. something they had announced a few years ago. They they doubled the capacity. It's now one of Cargill's largest soy crush facilities, Sydney, Ohio. And uh, yeah, these are these are uh, major investments. Six weeks ago, ADM. Uh, started taking soybeans in western uh, North Dakota, Spiritwood, mm -hmm. North Dakota. Now, those are just two, and I've got a count, Chip. I'll bet you've got a list on your uh, desk. Mm -hmm. I've got a list of 17 or 18 different expansions yep. or new uh, soy crushing facilities going up throughout the country. Uh, I know... Uh, I know you were down at Commodity Classic way last uh, March, and, and when I was down there, I told people that there were 16 major announcements in a 15-month period that would increase capacity if they all came to be. Soy crushing capacity would increase by 25% in four years. Now, that, that that's a huge move in a commodity yeah. market. The, the funny part is, uh, later that morning, I was walking the floor and I got pulled aside by a gentleman who served on a state soybean board, okay? Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, Ed, I saw you talk this morning. Uh, you're wrong. <laughs> said, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm wrong. I, I've heard that before, Chip, <laughs> so I wasn't floored. Yeah. And I said, well, what did I get wrong? He said, there are not 16 plants. Uh, planned that will increase capacity by 25%. There are 23 plants in the works that will increase capacity by 33%. Okay. So I had, I'm, I'm a little on the light side. Yeah. By the way, I'm going up to Winnipeg next week. They, they've got a half a dozen canola plants, uh, yeah. crushing facilities being expanded. Um, it's the phenomenal. economics of soy crushing have been fantastic for several years. You know, this is all driven by biodiesel, renewable diesel, and the hope for that demand uh, growing as quickly as, as people hope it will. And of course, right. that's the big question. Is it really going to, are we really going to get the mandates or the uh, uh, tax credits or the high price of oil to keep this moving? as quickly as they think it will. Mm -hmm. I know that even though Cargill just opened a plant, uh, they quietly, four or five months ago, announced that they were delaying another plant they had planned. So this is a fluid situation. Mm -hmm. But if all those plants went into play over the next four or five years, my goodness, that's going to call for a lot more yes. soybean acres. And that's going to affect everything, not just yeah. soybeans. Yes, it will. Ed, I want to get you back on here before the end of the year and talk about that acreage mix for 2024. I sure enjoyed this. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. No fair catch here. Went well. <laughs> to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. 
FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about FullScale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here with you. Glad you are along for the ride. Chip Flory joins. Hi, Chip. Yep. Hey. A uh, little housekeeping. Okay. We're winding to the uh, very beginning of the show live from Twin Cities who look nothing alike. Yeah. Big Apple Joe Stackler clearly uh, was awake during biology class. He suggests perhaps St. Paul and Minneapolis are dizygotic twins. Dizygotic twins. Which, of course, means that, that I thought the that third was twin didn't make it. Hmm? I thought that the, was Dizzy Godic. Dizzy Godic. No, you're thinking of the jazz saxophonist. From Detroit, yeah, different different deal. Dizzy Godic. Ah, <laughs> uh, great chat, great chat there with. Uh, oh yeah, and Usit, dude. How how is he not on like every other day? This guy's great. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a lot of fun, and you know, he mentioned that that uh, we saw each other at Commodity Classic, and here's the deal. Mm-hmm. We. I get a lot of requests to to be on the show. There's a lot of people that I like to get on the show. I think the last count that I had on guest analysts that we run through on on a rotation, yeah, I've I've got like close to 140 on the list. So it's you know people kind of got to wait their turn yeah. to to get back on and to get on the list can sometimes be a little difficult. Well, every time I see Ed at Commodity Classic, which is like every year for the last 10, mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, well, I got to get Ed on the show. And I don't know if we've ever had him before, Davis. I don't think so. Which is stupid. Yeah. No, Ed is really, really good. He's really good. Stuff. good. Well, yeah. and-, and oh, hey, by the way. Yeah. Go on. By the way, by the way, by the way. He sent me a note, and he oh. said, thank you. I didn't even pitch the fact that my third edition of my book, Grain Marketing is Simple, It's Just Not Easy, is now available at lulu.com. Okay? Great. Give us that title again. Uh, Grain Marketing is Simple, It's Just Not Easy. Okay. Okay? Yeah. yeah I've read that's it. really good. I read first edition. It's very good. Oh, first edition. Yep. So you might need to get a hold of that third edition and see what's changed. I might need to check it out. Yeah. I don't see why not. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've been <laughs> just 
completely unrelated. I've been watching some shows on, I don't know what, I don't even remember what they're called. Something like the founding of Minnesota. Talking yeah. about, you know, just sort of the tracing the timeline from, you know, initial European contact and settlement and all that sort of stuff and, and what was going on there. And I have a brand new appreciation for what, uh, wheat has done, um, for Minnesota and what really? it meant for farmers early on. Yeah. I was, and I guess it makes sense because, you know, we, we don't talk about the Minneapolis contract every day, but we do talk about the spring wheat contract about every right. day. Right. Um, and, just it was great to have Ed on and to hear him just sort of speaking about wheat. And then he throws in, oh, yeah, and here's something else that's that's sort of yeah. interesting. Uh, dude's really grounded when it comes to talking about that wheat crop. Yeah, and I, I had no idea that Ed traded at the Minneapolis Exchange yeah. from 81 to 89. I I didn't know that. Uh, um, bring some unique experiences to the conversation, that's for sure. Well, and any time that Russia has has been brought up, not any time, but most times, it's recently been in a context of war. Right. Um, but talking about Russia as one of those contributing to spoiling the global wheat market because they've just got too much, somebody's got to have a crop problem somewhere. Right. Right. And, you know, the thing is, we've gone through some global crop issues with wheat, and the U.S. market has responded i mean there's been a reaction but the 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 situation the, the volatility that was created by russia's invasion of ukraine mm -hmm. was far more uh dynamic than a couple of australian wheat crops that we've lost in the last five years mm -hmm. the argentine crop last year you know and and Russia overrides a lot of issues out there because they've they've been able to deliver on what they hope and and you know we said something this morning about Russia getting more aggressive in exporting its crude oil you mm -hmm. know to finance its war against Ukraine well it's doing the same thing with wheat as much as it can interesting all right um we got some stuff to talk about about what's coming up, but let's uh, yeah. let's make sure we make time to get to the uh, the weather here. Sure, it does does look like um, uh, there's some below normal temperatures coming in on the the western shores of Alaska there, above yeah. normal precip across uh, the east. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll be okay. You think they'll be they've, all right? They've handled it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, we've got near normal to above normal temperatures expected over most of the country, New England. Uh, northeast U.S. is is uh, about the only area that we are looking at below normal temperatures for the period November 8th through the 12th. So the Corn Belt's looking at mostly near normal in the central and eastern, above normal temperatures in the west. Near normal precipitation also expected in the northern production areas. And then from the southern half of Nebraska, northern Missouri, southern uh, Illinois, and points to the east and south, we are looking at uh, above normal precipitation. Real quick, let's just jump out to the 8 to 14 day. Above normal temperatures expected November 10th through the 16th. And then a mix. You got below normal precip expected in the northern areas, near normal in the central, and above normal precip expected in the southern production areas. Okay. Davis, if it's all right with you, I'm going to take the rest of the week off. 
You know what? Go ahead, buddy. I got Thank you. Thank you, man. I got Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know what yep. I'll do? I'll do a free-for-all with uh, with Haney and Wiesmeyer in the morning and then in the afternoon. Uh, is it DH? Do we do we have DH? Yes. Can I even say yes. Yeah, I got Dan Huber. I got yes. Dan Huber all Absolutely. locked in. So uh, and we'll be real busy anyway. Real, yeah, real quick. Next week, Big Apple Joe Stackler and I are getting back on board that jet airplane, and we are headed to the port of South Louisiana. We're partnering with USB to talk about the infrastructure and the infrastructure needs. Really looking forward to that trip at the middle of next week and seeing that big port down there in South Louisiana. Be safe, everybody. I will talk to you on Monday. Davis has got you tomorrow.